0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast, hosted by Dave and Johnny. In this episode, we have a very special guest, as David and I travelled to Portrush, all with thanks to the Portrush Atlantic Hotel. They arranged for us to come up, stay the night, and play around and golf at Castle Rock Golf Club. So when we were at Castle Rock, we were joined by the US Mid-Am champion, Matthew McLean. We played 27 holes with Matthew, as well as a local member, James, who showed us around the course, as well as the 9-hole band course, which is an absolute treat. So without any further ado, here's Matthew McLean.
1: Hi guys, welcome to the Bogeyman podcast. We are lucky today to be joined by the US Mid-Am Champ 2022, Matt McLean. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, firstly, today, we've had a good old day of it today. We're in Castle Rock, We um, we've had 27 holes, and it's fair to say it's a pretty impressive place. I think we were sh- pretty shocked by what we got from the nine hole course here, weren't we?
2: Yeah, definitely the... Either now or the spare nine if you sort of sold as. Some of the holes were as, as good as any golf course you'll play in Ireland. So it's nice as an extra bonus just to go out and enjoy them pretty free to ourselves and in lovely weather.
1: Yeah. I d I don't know about you. We, I actually really like winter golf on days like today where it's teaser slightly forward and it's the place is in great it isn't great, Nick, in fairness to it. Um where you can just go and just have a bit of fun. But this this type of place where it's not necessarily one that you might see a huge amount of tourists on but would definitely be something you would come to and to just enjoy, enjoy a day like today. Like we're looking out over the course from the top of the clubhouse here and it's just, it's, it's ideal to be honest.
2: Yeah, I think in, in terms of sort of winter golf, it's more what you expect. Your expectations are so low that you may get blown off. You might not get to play at all. And then to have a day like today, it sort of you know, makes it all the more enjoyable than you know, some summer, summer day. So, uh, and as you said, the course was fantastic, pretty dry. We I had to use mats, but it comes with, the, comes with the territory with links Golf in the winter. Uh, but yeah, when you get days like this, it's, it's hard to beat any time
1: of the year in Ireland. Because in fairness, you've had, like, well, this is probably one of the down days, and you're playing golf on one of your down days, let's face it. You've had a fairly hectic 2022. That basically started, as you were saying, I think, was it back in South Africa in January, the, the, the year kicked off.
2: Yeah, we've played start of January. I think it was working up the start of January and then, had a couple of weeks off practicing in, in Grand Canary and then as you said I think is the start of February end of end of January we, we were away in South Africa for three weeks and uh, maybe barring three or four three or four weeks here there throughout the year with work it's been pretty much full-time golf it hasn't hasn't felt like there's been too many uh down times or, or quiet times without that but I sort of said a couple of years ago in Covid when we were missing everything and you're just wishing you could get out to play these tournaments I thought w- when it came back to it, just play as much as you can, as long as you're feeling okay
1: physically and mentally to to play in the tournaments. You mentioned something there, and we'll go into kind of twenty twenty two the actual golf side because obviously it was a massive year in that regard. But like coming from Malone from the club there, um, I suppose it's where did the where did the love of this where did the the want to be effectively as close as a full time player or a player at an elite level where did that come from is there something I suppose inherently built into the club that was there or has it come from the family or where where did you start in that journey?
2: yeah I, always, I played a lot of sports growing up so it, I was pretty much football Gaelic small bit of hurting it's too many injuries so <laughs> give out that up pretty quickly and then I was, uh, golf as well from 10 or 11 so I played played all sports really just anything sort of competitive and in nature, I enjoyed it. So golf is one of those sports that's sort of endlessly frustrating, but again, you can sort of you keep on going, come back every day. So I, I stuck with golf in the end and, uh, and always just sort of, you know looked up to the guys from when I was 16, 17, the amateurs back in the day, uh, Paul Cutler and those sorts of guys, and always thought that would be a pretty good place to try to get to and, uh, and sort of enjoy the golf along the way. Um, whether or not the idea would be turn pro at any point, it was never really uh, an ultimatum to say you have to do it by this stage or not. If if you get to the stage where you can turn pro or it's, a, or it's an option, I probably would. If it's not, then it's not the end of the world either. Uh, I'll just stick to the amateur golf.
1: Yeah, because you're not a, you're not in the truest sense of where You're not a full time amateur. You do work as well, and that's kind yeah. of it. it has to be, I suppose people are. With a lot of the younger guys who are in college, who have gone through the U.S. route, etc., they come out and they'll be effectively full-time amateurs from the time they leave Ireland at 18. Some yeah. of them even before that. They don't do any other sport. They don't work. It's it's golf, golf, golf. You, We were chatting earlier on the course and you were saying that actually uh, you're an autometrist by profession, yeah. so allows you probably flexibility. and that was one of the reasons that you actually chose it, because yeah. it was going to allow you flexibility. So obviously golf is at the forefront. You were conscious that, yeah, I want to play golf full-time, but at the same time, a career with the safety net that that provides is there.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably an argument from each side to say what, what benefits are, are you get from doing it either way, you know, going straight into university and playing competitive golf at university and then coming out in your early twenties and competing. There's an advantage to that, that the earlier you sort of get better, the more sort of chance you have to grow as a golfer. But, but to have a safety net can be good in terms of it relaxes you. Another way to look at it is that if you have a safety net, then you may not have as much sort of strive to you know, go as far as, as, as you could. But I chose the other, the, the sort of the latter option in terms of you go and sort of get the university degree. Work for a couple of years, and you know you have that that job and that profession to sort of use as you're going along with the amateur golf as well. So, I think both ways are options. I think if you look at the the numbers now, probably straight into American going amateur is ninety nine percent of the uh, the guys route. So, uh, but it's it's uh, I'd say it's probably more successful in terms of who what professional comes out. In terms of you know. There's not too many guys in the last sort of ten years who've probably went to university and got a degree and practiced or worked for a couple
1: of years. But and is that as their product of their environment in terms of the full-time golf element or the actual courses that they're playing? Because from if you stay in Ireland, you'd be you're an amateur. As we, we were chatting, the Irish Close is the only event uh, with Mullingar that you'd play on a parkland course yeah. where the scores are really low that you have to go after. Whereas chatting about all the championships this year, and there were a. A lot of them were a war of attrition really in the best sense of the word
2: yeah there's again there's that sort of side of things where if for instance the last few times we went to South Africa the winning score was 24 under and 27 under uh, for four rounds and the course it didn't feel that much harder than Mullingar as a similar sort of course but the way they sort of the way they set it up was that you had you had to shoot eight under to be the best score of the day I went around and 12 under for the week and thought I played pretty Amateurs. good, but in hindsight, there's probably a few points in the round where you could have pushed all and, yeah. and scored a lot lower, so uh, I think long-term Ireland golfers are as good as anyone in the world, so I think there's an idea growing up in amateur golf that the courses have to be set up significantly more scorable, not easy, you can't have, you know, yeah, 380 yeah. yard par 4s everywhere, but more scorable with maybe easier pins and more accessible pins that you're encouraging guys to shoot six under on a more regular basis. And then that brings you more into professional golf mm-hmm. in the long run. That's just sort of my opinion, but it's probably a few people would agree with me over that, uh, with that over the years, so. Uh, but in America, the systems they have in America are just way above anything we have in Ireland or probably Europe in terms of, you know, the new development of golf with, you know, nutritionists and training and routines and all that sort of stuff. So. There are two different aspects, but there's people who go to America and hate it after three months and four months and can't do it. They'll come back and still go on to be very good golfers. So it's definitely people will suit different routes and you just sort of hope you pick the right one yeah. uh, that suits you.
1: Um, uh, seeing as you didn't go down that route, went to university, studied with obviously a, a probably a broader, uh, maybe more rounder view of golf because of as a result of that, there's college life which is different maybe here <laughs> than it might be abroad. You might be more comfortable with it. But at what point did then that, you s- you mentioned you mentioned Football Gaelic, um bit of hurling as well. At what point did the f- switch flick from, yeah, I I'm like, I can play them, I can do them, I probably have friends who are in, yeah. and there's a team environment to it. But at what point did it go right? I think I probably need to nestle into this and, and, and push on.
2: I would say the age of, as early as like 14, 15 is that what early. I probably knew. Okay. I was like, you know, I was showing less interest. I was playing to a decent level in in football at sort of younger ages. But that is where I, I I'd never sort of noticed I didn't have the interest in going to a Saturday morning and playing and things like that. So, and then gradually over each summer, it was more and more interest in golf and just keep on playing that. And you would spend all day, you know, in the, in the summers from eight to eight in the, in the summer days. So, Probably, and then from 15, 16, I, I only played golf then.
1: It uh, was my was my only sport then, competitively. And did you kind of have a good sense that I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be good here? Because I suppose it's a lot when you're maybe a bit more rounded. Yeah. So you're sacrificing, the sacrifices are huge as opposed to someone who's just golf. Um, you probably want to know that there's kind of, there is a bit of a pot of gold at the bottom of the rainbow in that sense because you have to go through a bit of... A sacrifice to get to there really don't you?
2: Yeah I probably in sort of underage golf never had a specific structure in terms of oh, I have to do this to this I just went out and played and enjoyed it and probably always probably always thought I was slightly better than what I actually did in, yeah. in underage golf um but no I was there thereabouts with about like Ulster panels and you know Ulster senior panels up and sort of up until 20, 20 or 21 I think was the first time I made one so it was always a decent level of golf but it was there was also guys on Irish panels and things like that at that age. But I, I always thought I probably was <laughs> had more more sort of potential than uh, I was probably showing at that age. But again, going to university and playing was a similar idea. I was good but didn't really have that good of scores. And then after university it took sort of three months where I just practised and did nothing else. That was the only thing I did for three months. And then first tournament you come in, you shot I think nine under for two rounds. It was nearly like sort of flicking a switch Uh, but it just shows you that's all golf is is time effort and just repeating
1: the same action over and over again and it's kind of like the old adage like it only takes 10 years to be an overnight success I'm like I'm coming to 2022 which is arguably your it is your strongest has been your strongest year ever Um, did you have a sense that this was that 2022 was coming because there was a lot in it
2: yeah, in terms of after I was working in Sunderland in England for two and a half, three years and then after I left that job and came back, year by year it was steadily getting better. So the first year was competing in tournaments, next year made the Irish Ireland team, next year made the six man team, the year after that was Covid and then it made, you know, Open International, National's European team and then Eisenhower team this year. So it sort of stepped up again. But again, hadn't won hadn't won a championship but I was I like get three, three runner-ups, maybe, or two runner-ups in a third place along the way. So it was getting steadily closer and closer. Uh, but to happen on the last tournament of the year uh, was, you know, you were maybe less expecting it as you go throughout the season. You sort yeah. of think the first one of the season, you're going to win that. And then as you go along, your probably expectations might deep down be a wee bit less. So for to be the last tournament of the, of the season, to actually get the win that transformed the year uh, was,
1: was pretty nice. Well, no, because I wanted to go back to the start because of of the 2022 season, I think it probably would have kicked off for you. The first win was actually the first Ian Bamford scratch cup in Portrush, which like the field on that, yeah. like the, the entry alone to that was plus three for a scratch yeah. cup, which yeah, is yeah. obviously absurd. Yeah. Um, and a really, really strong field within it was this, a win early, and I don't care what anyone says, like a win in anything yeah. early in your season probably focuses you down to, to accelerate. Now, the fact that it was a scratch cup, I don't think diminishes maybe, I, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth either, but maybe set a tone where get off this, to not get off to a quick start, obviously you're out in South Africa, had played well, as you said, we yeah. were yeah. now 12, 13 under for, so the, the golf was obviously in a good place, but was, could that be overstated, the importance of winning early or less so? No, yeah, I think
2: I I do agree with you in terms of winning anything, whether or not it's like your club championships yeah. uh, against you might be the best player in the field by four shots. Even winning that to sort of be able to play the last few holes and get over the line and win in any sort of level is key to, to winning at the next sort of uh, the level up. Yeah. So yeah, the Portrush Scratch crop was a brilliant start. As I, said, I sort of mentioned a brief earlier on, I tore ligaments my left ankle. At the end of South Africa, which had me out for mists and euro nations and just about got back for the west, so it was it was nice to go straight into that with no probably no expectation because I didn't know oh well I was going to play mm-hmm. uh, after being out for sort of eight to twelve weeks but to to win especially i was I was leading by it turns out by about five or six, I think with a few holes to go. I didn't know this, and then mm-hmm. down the stretch made a couple of bogeys and made a double down. Sixteen, I think, and then all of a sudden there was only really one in it, so I had to par the last three. So even that mindset that you have to play for any yep. any sort of level of, of tournament to be able to finish off the last three in Portrush in the wind, you know, three tough holes yeah. to get that win. I think definitely set a standard for the year. And again, it would have been great to win more, but no matter what you do in the season, you're always going to say, "Oh, you could have won that, or you could have done this." Yep. So yeah, no, I think starting off with that wi- with that tournament was was pretty big for the year, yeah.
1: And so that, that that sets the year up. Obviously, you've you've now got kind of an early win on a, on a really really good course. Um, I want to talk about the island, and and how that was, and I want to know what happened at the island where you were obviously leading, and it, you ha- you had a. A very a kind of a tumultuous back nine to the to the yeah. last round where and Colin Campbell came and kind of nipped it from you yeah. by by paring in but how beneficial was that actually to to go to to the rest of the season because look it it was obviously quite disappointing that is that that is one like one did that leave you in a better or worse place after obviously there was disappointment, but where was your head at? At, at, coming into that, or, or maybe describe kind of the, the back nine to us and what what it's like in such a pressured environment against a very very, and in fact it was down to probably two or three of you at the time. Yeah, what that was like because it was dramatic to say the least.
2: Yeah, I mean it's that it's that thing that if if I won that, the season may well have been completely different. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say at the time that whatever sort of happens in the tournament happens in the tournament and, you know, it might be a blessing in disguise in the future. At the time, it was still very early on in the season. So from my point of view, I, I was like six, I think I was six under through 11 mm. or six under through six under three, I think I probably 13 to go six under for the ride. You through
1: 13 in the island the last day, was it? Yeah. So that's I was, a, that, like that's absurd. So
2: I was I was I was well behind in yeah. terms of well it wasn't as if I was favoured to get into the last round or anything. Yeah. So I think I was six six hundred three thirteen in the last round. So the only thing was that it's quite hard to finish. It's quite hard to finish around, around the islands. Yeah. As you said, it was probably the hardest hardest course for the year for the championships. So even to finish that round, never mind the tournament. Yeah. Had to have another level on top of it. But yeah, I I played most of it pretty well. I only I only hit i had a, a really bad shot on uh 15 is the par five is it yeah I had a really bad tee shot got a bit unlucky and just hit a really bad pitch just bladed a, a pitch over the back of the green uh and that led to a double but on the way in i didn't i didn't hit one bad shot after that for the last three holes yeah. had a good drive down seventeen just rolled into the bunker but other than that pitch, I had no issue with the with the last round and uh, actually got up and down myself on the last from yeah. short left as well so uh, it was definitely more positives out of the amateur this year. They are sham other compared to negatives. If you sort of look at the last round, it was one shot that was destructive that caused a double. Other than that, I still shot, I think I still shot probably the best round in the last round by sort of two or three shots. Yeah. So, yeah, you can, you can take positives out of anything. You can take negatives out of anything. My idea was that I was still second in a playoff. It hurt at the time. You, uh, one of those ones. Now at the end of the there, you quite like to see the trophy on, on top of the shelf. But it's the same in any competitive sport. You're going to lose a lot more than you win. So it's golf's probably the worst for that. So you just accept when when you lose or or when you or when you win. Mm-hmm. And then the run of form I went in for the next three four weeks. Whether or not I would have had that run of form if I won that, possibly not. But. Yeah, it was it was definitely tough to take at the time. There's no, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: like I, I just think that it would it was it probably came at a time of the season. If you had won it, might you have taken the foot off the gas? Given what was to come, there was a lot of important events that that were coming down the track for you. And I was just wondering, did you? It, it's very easy to find resolve in a in a near miss where, as you said, it wasn't through through a, a collection of bad golf that it was done, and, and not necessarily even one hole in 15 because you as you said you're 600 to 13 to put yourself into it as opposed to kind of sitting three shots in the lead, yeah sitting on that lead on round three and and going into it but then you get to obviously the homes and the um the eisenhower and the team elements of it and that was huge like to to be down to the i suppose the best three You're, you're effectively the best three amateurs in the country between you now, but I, I suppose I still think that there's probably five guys who are vying for the best three yeah, in the yeah. country, really, yeah, yeah. isn't there?
2: Yeah, that's the tough thing with the Eisenhower. It's such a small team that you could arguably pick it with over whether you're going to pick it over the year or pick it over you know three four weeks or the person in form or the whole it's, it's just a really hard team to pick. You know, I'm just happy <laughs> I don't have to pick it. Yeah, so uh, the Eisenhower
1: is the obviously world amateur team, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that was in golf national and. In Paris, Paris, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: So it's, yeah, it's one of those ones where if, if you said at the start of the year you would make that team, European, some internationals, all that sort of stuff, then from a team basis, and then so the St Andrews Trophy as well, the GBNI i team. I made every team I could have made this year. So that sort of gives you an overall consistency, you know, verification that you're actually playing well throughout the year at that level. So again, as just said, one shot here or there throughout certain tournaments, you can take it a wee bit easier when you have that sort of you know, verification that you are within the top three in Ireland or top nine in, in, in GB&I. So making those teams is the goal of, of pretty much all the amateur golfers. So to get that recognition this year was, uh, was definitely a bit of a confidence boost.
1: Uh, so you accelerate now, <laughs> and like I suppose you obviously played quite well. You played sorry, played quite well. You played very well over at the Eisenhower when you at the from the Saint Andrews Trophy as well. You're you're picked on that. Uh, you're just back from the concession, which was the, effectively the a mi- almost like a mid amateur Ryder Cup, which yeah. is from a European selection that, that plays the US. But yourself and Hugh Foley went on a I suppose an owl adventure. is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. How the, the mid in the U.S. How did it even come about? Because it's not, it wouldn't be the most trodden of paths.
2: No, so it, it is sort of one of those stories where you're. It, it went from nothing, zero to 100 very quickly. So mid-am in Ireland's over 30. Yeah. mid everywhere else is over 25. Right. So I never knew this until four months ago, six months ago. <laughs> so I assumed mid was 30 everywhere else, so you couldn't yeah. play them. Uh, I think it was Mark Boucher at Lytham this year brought it up to say, oh, it's on Aird Hills, you know, it'd be a cool week to go out and play. We should have a look at it. And we were like, yeah, we probably should have a look at it. And then when it came down, to it sort of to out of the next sort of three months, how the golf went, uh, I think there was me and Hugh at the end sort of said, well, will we, will we go for it? And, you know, it's, it's a pretty expensive trip and takes a bit of organising. So we sort of went from not playing at all, never heard of it, to booking book this sort of two, two and a half week sort of uh, trip to America to play it pretty quickly. Uh, and then the two of us obviously went out and the level of competition in terms of standard and world ranking is pretty much the equivalent of the St. Andrews Links Trophy, um, which is like Super, our yeah. probably third top event of the year. Yeah. Uh, so to have that sort of level of competition that you don't even know you're eligible to play uh, was a bit mad. but as it turned out obviously it was a sort of a week from you know a week from sort of your dreams to, to the way it went uh, everything just went perfect really for the week
0: just a quick break here in the chat with matthew to remind you guys that the bogeyman golf podcast is brought to you by quack golf and today is black friday the black friday sales have begun so make sure you go visit quackgolf.com, go check out all their new gear they have loads of really cool new stuff from hoodies joggers quarter zips and t-shirts there's loads of cool gear so go and support the guys perfect for this winter golf season.
1: Is this, so you, you've obviously had, in, in the year to, to that point, obviously there have been huge individual and team events. Um, the British and Ledham Trophy, etc. Yeah. from a personal perspective, Link's Trophy, St Andrew's Link's Trophy, and then obviously the Eisenhower and um, yeah, the eyes yeah, as a, as a, from a team perspective. So where was this sitting? Like, like you're getting onto the play in Chicago. Like how how seriously are you taking it at that point? Because you're obviously you're, you're financially committed because yeah. it's a big old trip. But where where's the head? Is like kind of looking at you going Come on, we can if we knuckle down, we can win it. Or is it like come on, we'll just go and have a really couple of good good couple of weeks? Eh, uh, probably a bit of both.
2: We went into it into the slightly unknown in terms of we don't know what the standard's going to be like. It could be grand in terms of oh, we'll turn up and we'll be fine or you could turn up and uh, The standard's going to be better than every, anything you've ever played in so it, it was it, the standard was very good so you know you had to play at the cut I think it was two over for two rounds and in terms of difficulty of courses It's it's right up there with you know as difficult uh, as it would be and especially the American style of courses firm greens fast very slopey thick rough yeah. that we're not used to so in terms of qualifying it was a like it US was Open course the, yeah, like yeah, the, the Aaron, big course, Aaron the, was, was a, Yeah, something course. Yeah. yeah, so in terms of difficulty and standard of field, it was uh, I'm not going to say it was better than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. But the probably the top thirty in the field
1: were as good as you'll play in pretty much any amateur tournament back here. Because there, like I suppose, the age profile is it's not like th- there's only there's guys who are only. Could be only two or two years removed from actually being in college, really. Yeah, well, like
2: Hugh was, I think, maybe the second youngest in the field. So Hugh had just turned 25. Yeah. There was two or three other 25 year olds in there. We saw, and we still th- think of Hugh being quite young. Yeah, which he, yeah. Which he is. Yeah, like, you're saying he's older, I <laughs> I wouldn't say that yeah uh, if he's watching us yeah, well, nice.
1: yeah well, he's, <laughs> i suppose he's been like we see him a lot no, you know no, you so uh...
2: but uh yeah but you had even like ex-pros yeah. as well who were maybe corn fairy I, pl- I played a guy who was on corn fairy for three or four years and then turned back the amateur yeah so you're playing those sorts of guys who can still play golf obviously to a very high standard yeah, but you would never have heard of them they're not on the world rankings yeah. so you had a lot of those guys that that made it pretty
1: tough but i think were you under the radar? Did anyone know who you were at this point? I don't think so, no. Because you had come had off the, like, you're, com- you're coming from a team that had finished quite well in, in the Amateur Team Championships, and obviously Hugh had just missed out on that team, yeah. but he'd still have a fairly illustrious CV. Were you were you unknown quantities? Were they looking at you going, what are you guys doing here? Or yeah, what? I'm not too sure, because in, in the amateur, in the mid-amateur world rankings,
2: I was about 4th or 5th in the world. he oh, right, uh, okay. was about 6th or 7th. So, like in terms of rankings, you would have been right yeah. up there in terms of that. So, but you know, you never know. You know, who knows you? Or who doesn't know you? But um, in in terms of sort of going over to it, it was awesome. my girlfriend came over for the. I was over there for three weeks. She came over the week of the tournament, and then we were staying in Chicago for a week after. So, I sort of was like, oh well, you know, I've got a holiday here anyway. So, yeah, if I get knocked a bit out of golf, first round, I'll be okay. It's well, fine. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those other ones where you go out and just enjoy it. So. Uh, and we were both sort of, met. we, we met up for uh, with a friend, Greg Zeman, who lives in North Chicago before and he brought us out to play a few golf courses and, you know, it was just like an enjoyable, nice time.
1: Like we're getting to kind of trip of a lifetime. Yes. Yeah. Places at this stage and this isn't even, we're not even into the tournament. Exactly. Yet.
2: So even if we went over the week before, it was really enjoyable. So, you know, you had to just say, oh, well, we're here now, just enjoy it and yeah. try to play as well as you can. And. The way it worked out in the end, that obviously met each other in the final, was you know probably a million to one. I think it was two hundred and sixty-four in the field,
1: um. and here's two lads from yeah. that live are from two hours away from each other that end up in Erin Hills yeah. in the final. So yeah, you kind of you both pretty much cruised through qualifying, then you started to tick people off. Pretty uh, at a fairly decent clip. I think you got rid of a few very yeah, yeah. quite high ranking players, both of you, quite early. Um, I, you probably had a tougher, maybe a tougher path to it, just because you finished a little bit further up in terms of the, the stroke rate qualifying, obviously. Yeah. But at what point were you kind of looking at each other, obviously, other sides of the draw, and kind of going, This, like, we're, we're in? Did you mention it? That we're in look, we were in, uh, yeah, we're we in a punt here, look. Like. We
2: jokingly mentioned it at the start. We were like, well, the ideal if we can make the cut, separate side of the draw play each other in the final, but it was obviously a, a joking remark. But in the qualifying, I was I looked like I used to do the qualifying. I was actually five over through six in the first round, uh, of the qualifying on the so called easy course. Yeah. I've say i just flew sort of eight hours across the world here and <laughs> five you'd be home after six. nine holes so I managed to finish that two over which was still outside the cut and then had a, had a five under second round which like moved me up 70 places I think in the second round but so that was relatively relatively easy if you like uh, going through the stroke play and then maybe I, I'd say four three or four of the matches were five and four six and five for both of us were rel- relatively straightforward if you like and then when you get into those last 16 stages, it was, you know, a three and two victory might look straightforward, but you give you be one up, one in it, and then you make a one birdie, one bogey. So it can change very quickly. Uh, but yeah, Hugh, well, it seemed like he was definitely sort of cruising through when you're playing your own match. It doesn't feel as, as easy, but he was seeming to be cruising through every match and he was just playing ahead of me. So every time I would come up 16, he'd be standing there at the he'd top of the green, being the being like, well, here, you know, <laughs> you get left lift and he go home. So then I would finish shortly after him. in uh, one, I went we did the 20th in one of the matches. Uh, I was two up with two to go, lost 17, 18. Yeah. And then held about a six-footer to keep a goal on the first, and then had like a 20-footer for Birdie on the, on the 20th uh, hole. So that was a bit of a wobble uh, of the week and then the semis I just played pretty well and then obviously the final was, was a pretty good standard as well.
1: Yeah, because the semis, you finish in the morning and then you were out against each other for the first round of match play in the afternoon. Was yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it prob- that probably made it easier that you didn't have to sleep in the same house and go into 36 holes on the following day. Yeah. That it maybe you know, there's a bit of momentum yeah. to the golf anyway. But we were having a chat on the course earlier and I not that I will ever be in that scenario, but I had reckoned that it was easier for both of you playing each other because of how well you know each other as opposed to getting someone who you've no idea what they're like, like whether they're just a really consistent player or someone who's really streaky yeah. and will have 10 bogeys with eight birdies. You probably went down the route of saying that, yeah, actually, I it was probably easier no being in known quantity because, look, you're playing them in... Maybe four or five times a year. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know exactly what is going to take to beat him, and that you probably have the game to beat him and Vice probably first, yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, as we were, as I said, we mentioned this earlier on in the course that uh, the the level of the sort of tournament and what was at risk probably didn't feel as intense or as important because we were playing against each other. Yeah. As you said, we played against each other a lot. Whereas if you were playing against an American, you never met. In America, all of a sudden, it probably would feel like you're playing for this sort of championship. Yeah. Uh, so in that terms, it, it helped the golf. I think both of us. It was a it was a good standard of final for the 36 holes. Uh, and I think in the back of my mind was well, one of us is going to win it now. So why not? Why not me? Why yeah. not you? I'm sure he was thinking the same thing. But yeah. if he's going to win it, I could win it. So it, it is. It definitely was relaxing. I think for both of us to
1: play. The final against each other and, and each other's company and, uh, and just sort of relax and enjoy it as much as we could because i suppose if you are playing someone that you don't necessarily know there's no interaction whatsoever like because and <laughs> i want to get on to this because of what's at stake i think at what point did you realize that there are spots in the us open and invite to the masters and uh, which will yeah hopefully yeah, be yeah. on the way quite yeah, soon but it will be there but um, was that starting to come into both of your heads, or did that maybe happen at the end of the first eighteen where you're actually you and you know, in that instance were yeah. were sleeping on a lead? Was it like, oh God, I'm uh,
2: yeah, it was funny. it was uh, I've always sort of thought that in terms of the amateur. It's like I don't know how guys tee up in the amateur final with all that goes with it, and how do you even hit a ball or how do you yeah. <laughs> how do you play golf under yeah. that pressure? So it was funny how back in your mind it was, I'm trying to make it in the back of your mind, but it it wasn't at the forefront for most of the week, to the extent that you didn't really want to mention it. The more you mention something, the more you think about it. So yeah, we just sort of got on with it and played and tried our best not to think about it, I think, and you know, it probably... Didn't really sink in at any point that that's what you were playing for, you know. In the final, it didn't. Sink not really. At all. Like you knew that's what you got, and people said to you that's yeah. what you got, but you didn't really think. Oh well, you know, I'm definitely teeing it up there now, uh, even with the US Open as well. So, uh, but it was, it was, it was. I think you were trying to condition yourself to think like that. Yeah. So it was never sort of, it, you know that sort of one where you're kid and you're on the putting green, you're like, oh, you've got this to win in the open or, or there. Like, I had a putt on, I had about 35 foot and 16 for Bernie. In the first round? And then to win the second round of the yeah. final to win three and two. And it was downhill fast. It took like 10 seconds to get to the hole. But with about five foot to go, it, it looked perfect. And then that was about the only time I thought, I was like, if that goes in, then... I've won this, and then you're playing all this, and you're playing the Masters and the US Open, and then like heavily left out. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like that's the first time I've thought about it. Like, and you're trying not to think about this yeah. and all the way in, and then thankfully made power down seventeen. That was that was good enough. But uh, yeah, it's funny when you're in a situation. Sometimes you're just a bit numb to probably what's what's going on and uh, what's at risk. So, uh, but it was nice ab- to nice to do it.
1: But going back a bit, actually, just you you went in two up. No, you were actually more on after the first round. After I was two up, yeah. You were too yeah, up after yeah, yeah. right. What was that night's sleep like? Because you're in, you were in the same. To put into context. You were riding in the same car, sleeping in the same house, yeah. uh, having breakfast opposite each other. Like, what was, yeah. what was that vibe like? Uh, again, it was pretty.
2: It was pretty boring or uneventful in terms of we were up, but we were staying off at seven in the morning, so. We were up at half four, quarter to five in the morning. So you're not getting much sleep. And really then you know, get up, really, yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're knackered, so you, hit, you go to bed, you go to sleep straight away. You get up, practice, play the semis, have a bit of food, play the final, finishes at maybe five or something like that. So have a bit of food, get back, eight o'clock in the evening, you're knackered. So. It w- there wasn't a lot of time to set about doing nothing, You're so not
1: need to chat anyway. Really, though. there was.
2: You know, we both obviously looked at each other, and said, "You know, there's no point talking about golf because neither of us want to talk about golf <laughs> at this stage." So we, the guy we stayed with, was you know really fun, sort of chatty guy, which helped, uh, and he was he was putting us up for the week, uh, so he sort of helped the situation in terms of you know. Yeah, he'll chat about anything. These so we sort of joined in and sort of chatted and had a bit of crack. There, like, yeah. yeah. So uh, and then we went to bed probably nine o'clock and then yeah. you're asleep by ten and up at four, half four the next morning again. So it was thankfully it wasn't one of those ones where you had to kill eight hours, yeah. uh and what to do. But yeah, it was it was nice the way it sort of <laughs> it was only one night we had to stay with each other mm. in terms of sitting at the dinner table playing each other. But uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was all very casual and. Relaxed and uh, enjoyable, but uh, you wouldn't want to do it. You wouldn't want to sort of do it every week, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we, it's, we, all, we all sort of had good fun and enjoyed it and were sort of happy to be in this situation at the time.
1: And then it gets to, as you said, you lip out in 16, you win it on 17, yeah. and you've got obviously your girlfriend there, there's people you know. It's not like you're completely al- two aliens over there. Yeah. You're like you've got a few people around you. At what point did it go, oh, my God, oh, Jesus, I'm going to Augusta or I'm going to uh, Cherry Hills for, for, yeah. the, for the U.S.? But even actually the amateur events it gets you into as well, like the U.S. Yeah. Am now gets open, the U.S. Open, um, the Masters, and yeah. probably a plethora of other invite-only amateur events in yes. the U.S., yeah, which yeah. as you're going to one very soon. Yeah. Um, did it sink in? Did you just were you just... Exhausted. Were you on a high? Where was the head? Because yeah, obviously you just have to beat Hughes. Yeah. So there's a massive. There's two of you travelling, and one of you is has devastated. He's missed out, and then there's the other one who's on as big a high in terms of golf outside of winning the British Am, maybe in terms of rewards.
2: Yeah, British Am, the British Am and US Am are probably yeah. the only two events. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as you said, it was it was that sort of idea that just after it finished. Uh, I had about a four-footer for par, and he sort of conceded it, so as soon as he conceded it, it was sort of, you know, it was like, Is that that's it. And then you're sort of, you know, relatively speechless for about a yeah. minute after it. Uh, Hugh was sort of talking to me, think, and, I like, uh, I to him, and I was like, I wasn't sending back to him, I was like, I don't want to say sa- something, yeah, yeah, trying to say sorry? Yeah, sorry it was like, good like, game. But to have that sort of minute after where it was, it did sink in pretty quickly in yeah. terms of what, what it sort of meant, Uh, It was nice and then after that it was obviously relatively quiet because as I said it was me and Hugh were staying there So we we stayed the next night together and you know had a couple beers, but nothing nothing too late Uh, But yeah, you're 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 wary of not wanting to be In someone's face in terms of those different highs and lows of of after a golf tournament as well
1: It's probably at that point you wished you weren't playing someone that you knew you're real that then you could actually like there's probably you can be a little, little bit more exuberant yeah like if you're back at the house there could be a massive piss up for want of a better word possibly possibly <laughs> not saying that that didn't happen subsequently <laughs> but yeah i i know I, I kind of feel good i think that everyone felt that yeah We were, uh, because a lot of people thankfully there's access to these things now where everyone yeah. can follow just shot by shot so I think everyone was kind of feeling that it was—it was the people were thrilled for you, but equally as as disappointed for for Hugh, who has yeah. probably had a great year as well and was, yeah, and and the same
2: sort of ideas is, is <laughs> there's been twice so Hugh beat me in the North uh, this year, whereas I was relatively in control for most of the tournament and lost it by one, but again he's he said to me after was like you know almost apologized to me yeah. after the North and sort of like you know. I feel like I stole this one off you, yeah, and I was like, "You're the low score, You won." Yeah, but yeah, like, that's pretty. You know, it's nice to sort of have that.
1: Like the amateur for you, like, we, like you had it, and it was not yeah. not saying taken away from you, but yeah. there is the disappointment, and that's why I was wanted to get to this point. Eventually, is that like suppose <laughs> there's an element of ruthlessness that you want to to go and win as many, and it will be at the cost of people that that you that you know and that you're very very friendly with.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, and it's it's, it's that idea in, in
2: amateur golf is that it is overall the same people you're going to play against pretty much all year so you're going to come up against them if not this week not the next week two two or three weeks later you're going to meet each yeah. other eventually so you know if you're if the time you win you're not overly you know sportsmanship like the the person you've just beat you're going to get it right back at you three weeks later so you know if everyone's you know
1: Don't be respecting
2: ridiculous. each other then you know it's going to come around and bite you at some point in the future. So, as I said, me and he have never had any issues at all like that. It's always been very, you know, yeah. very friendly and, you know, I've always enjoyed playing against each other.
1: I think and the first time I met you was actually in a putting competition against you on the practice screen in Sligo. Yeah. The night before. So that like, that will always still be the, the relationship, which is yeah. brilliant, I suppose. Um, we were walking up on the fairs and I had actually forgotten about the Masters and the Open, <laughs> etc., because I suppose we associate you with, obviously, winning the mid bring home the trophy which has arrived back i believe you're saying it arrived it? there a couple weeks ago yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so um uh, how was it celebrated in malone yeah it was good so we
2: we were there they, they had a dinner for me specifically where we had sort of 40 or 50 people i uh, i sort of know quite well were there uh and the trophy was meant to be there for that but wasn't but anyway that was fine so we had a sort of
1: it'll probably only get drank out of it.
2: Yeah, anyway. exactly. <laughs> yeah. The USGL, they probably did that on purpose. They're like, well, that's that not t- two that. or three months late, so they can't
1: do that. We've seen what happened when Irish have worked yeah.
2: or something. So, uh, So we had a dinner that night, which was, which was really nice. Uh, and then they had a, the annual club dinner at Malone as well, uh, where they had, you know, a, a big crowd at it. And, you know, it, it, it was nice to sort of, you know, have the mentions and things like that, yeah. or like the ultimate of, of achieving something. Uh, and then you know it's Malone have you know it's always been a great place for me to play. I've yeah. Been there five years I think now. Um, in terms of practice and you know, you know the, the facilities we have at Malone is probably probably one of the best in, in the area really. So uh, yeah, no, it's, I've, plenty, I've plenty of plenty really good friends in Malone. So yeah. it's been great over the past the past couple of
1: months to have a good you'd to celebrate the celebrate. year? No, the reason I kind of went off on a tangent there, but we wanted to bring it back to it. We were walking up, I think it was the 4th or 5th today, and you were saying that you're going over to an event very soon in Orlando, and you might just slip up and play around in Augusta. Yeah. And you just threw it out there as if it was like, kind of, I might just tip <laughs> down to Malone and play with the lads. And it was only then I, re- I remembered. I was like, oh, Jesus, 2023 for you is yeah. going to be by the time you get to June, you'll have June, yeah, June. You'll have a fairly few, a fairly significant bucket list uh, set of courses ticked off, starting obviously yeah. with the Masters, which, like, how weird is this gonna <laughs> be?
2: Yeah, as you said, as funny it's, as the Masters sort of the event is, that you're you're always afraid to say anything until the invites yeah, come out in the yeah. post, but. You know, uh, avoiding that. Uh If the invite comes through, it's not like it's nothing you would ever really imagine ever playing. Even talking about it is weird. Like two years, I actually it was funny. I actually was talking to TJ, uh Ford from Sligo about this, and he was like, "Well, you know, if you ever get the chance to play Augusta, you know, when you play, it, when you get the chance, will you go play it?" And I was like, "What do you mean, when you get the chance?" And I was like, "That's you know, what like what are the chances of actually playing the golf course?" Yeah. So, uh, but to play at Masters, it's you know it is pretty hard to actually talk about it seriously because it's so far fetched in terms of amateur golf to to play it there. Um, you just want to, you know, it'd be nice to play the course. That's my sort of.
1: <laughs> your practice round is sorted as well. Shane Larry had it on his own Instagram as he's like the, the the four ball is now guaranteed. Basically, well, yeah. once, once see if I see well him obviously you say penny yeah, but yeah. your your four ball match. So I, th- I think bring a few quid. Apparently, those matches get quite serious. I don't
2: know how official that four ball is yet, but again, it would be nice to. Nice so to that's your Rory and Shane. That so would be the four, the four sort of Irish four, Irish our guys. Um, so that would be obviously a class to have that experience alone to play with those guys and all that sort of stuff, but. I think I'll play for probably 10% of the winnings. They can have their full bets, and I'll, I'll just chip in with 10%. Uh, no, you can max event. out, as
1: apparently as an amateur, you can max out, what, 700, is it? That you can oh, is, that what you can, is that what you can win? Well, I, like I, thought that the, I thought that was the was yeah, But yeah. no, even, even to get that recognition, though, from him straight away, like, I think he was one of the first people to have something out as in to, yeah. to, to congratulate you. Was that something that subsequently came, and does it, does it reassure you now? Obviously, you're going to, you've, you've played Challenge Tour events. Um, But now you're going to something which is, like, to to all intents and purposes, we saw what the Open was like in Portrush. It's a circus of, like, monstrous proportions. Like, the US Open will have close on 300,000 people at it. Augusta is Augusta. Um, Like, uh, and and all that comes with that. Uh, Is there parts of it that makes you very nervous about it, apprehensive, or is it just all excitement now? Uh, yeah it's tough to say in terms of
2: excitement or apprehension it's I'd say you'll have every feeling yeah to the t- my idea is that it's actually almost better not thinking about it because yeah. you don't want to build up this whole idea of this and this. The way I'm trying to look at it or or hopefully we'll look at it is that you've nothing to lose in yeah. terms of playing. you know there's plenty of amateurs have played in the past and shot high scores and come last, but no one cares. <laughs> so you've got to give yourself that sort of Uh, wiggle room and relaxation to say that you know if you go and have a bad hole or a bad few holes like you know no one really cares the
1: expectation is just to play there and enjoy it. Do you get that sense more of an excitement for Augusta versus the US Open because I suppose (laughs) it's going to be an interesting one because you're gonna go into the US Open this year having had the I'm gonna say bucket list experience because I I feel like that is for us it's something different to the US Open and um, and is to be enjoyed really enjoyed whereas the us open we look at it as something that's endured i i feel yeah. like the way people yeah. like it's a it's a complete oh it's just a, a war of attrition it looks always like a war of attrition whereas yeah. like augusta is so green it's so lush it's so picturesque it happens for us at a nice time of the year where we watch it nicely in the evenings and kind yeah. of Whereas the US Open, we get it in the middle of summer where it looks all burnt out. Greens are running at 14 and the rough is up to your ears. Yeah, yeah. Um, so best of luck with it, by the way. Yeah, um, so th- is it that sense that you've got, I'll go and really enjoy that one and see what happens at the US Open. Or have you, have you, thought, have you, have you even got to that point yet, actually?
2: Yeah, I, I, under, I, I don't I want to put
1: words in your mouth. I know, what you
2: do you mean, I know what you mean by that in terms of the Masters is just so, like, you can qualify for the US Open. It's not yeah. like the open is that you yeah, can go to open qualifying yeah. and you can anyone qualify Yeah, like we for could it. go and try and get into it. So it's obviously still very difficult, but that is a possibility, whereas yeah. Masters is just such a difficult tournament to ever play.
1: It's a tiny field.
2: It's it's just sort of the history behind it. Yeah. There's only is it ninety people play? Yeah. So yeah, the Masters is so high on the pedestal that even though the US
1: Open is probably below it, it's still obviously a massive tournament. Yeah, it's a major so some I, of the know, players say like brooks kepsis says, say it's the easiest of the majors to win like the, the masters the because masters. It, yeah. ha- it effectively yeah. has a field of kind of there's probably 10 amateurs in total. There's probably 20 lads who are past it yeah. and Then you've got 20 lads who hate the course because yeah. they don't like it So you're left with kind of a, a list of 50 yeah. now. I just wonder is it for, for you? Are you kind of go, Jesus do you know what? It doesn't. And obviously, the scoring recently has been has been low. But yeah. now that you look at objectively from a golfing perspective and going, Phew, do you know what? Like, you drive it straight there, and yeah. you you get it around well. You're you're gonna be. How far off could you? How how realistic could you be then to ambition wise?
2: Yeah, I think that the thing with the thing with both weeks is that although you want to go and enjoy the experience and mm-hmm. sort of that, like, you still want to play it as a golf tournament. Yeah. It's not as if you're turned up to shoot 80-80 and go Happy Days. And uh, go, a, to, the, I go, to, go air, to the gift shop. You know, room. go to the gift shop, get a few t-shirts and go home. You know, if that happens, you're still like, you know, that's going to be enjoyable. <laughs> but the idea is that you want to treat it as a week that you're going to play golf at a golf tournament against other golfers uh, and try not to overthink it uh, for both weeks. But. Yeah, the Masters is one of those ones that it's it's obviously known as not a first-timers golf course. Yeah, like, no one's ever won it the first time. It is you learn things every year around it, so you want to enjoy that and play as well as you can. But yeah, but yeah I sort of look at the US Open as I think LA isn't actually one of the, it's one of the shorter courses of the US Open rota as well. Mm-hmm. It will be tight. Fast. Oh, it's LA Country Club, isn't it? LACC. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So in terms of playing the golf course, it's playable for an amateur. You don't, you don't have to hit it 360 yards or you don't have to you know be yeah. this sort of really strong golfer. You can't get it around as an amateur, so yeah, it's, you don't want to sort of put any expectation either way. But it's just treat it like any other golf tournament. Try to be as relaxed as you can, play whatever you can play and then whatever you shoot, you shoot. Uh, and if, if it's a good score, happy I mean, days. If yeah. not, then, uh, as you said, you'll be
1: able to get over it pretty quickly. It's coming at a time as well, and I suppose because not many people get to talk to people who have played Augusta ne- or in yeah. the US Open, never mind in the Masters itself. Um, have you? Has anyone reached out to you have, uh, from that yet in terms of offering maybe a bit of advice or saying, listen, I can d- put you in touch with people or, or have you had conversations with people who have played it? Um, to, and I'm, I'm talking about both the, the US Open and the, and the Masters in that regard. Or has that happened yet? I, I Bear in mind, we're a long way out. Yeah, so in, in terms of that, in terms of the idea of directly talking about specific
2: things, not yet. But again, as you said, it is still pretty early to be talking about preparing for a golf course. But in terms of, you know, with the Masters in Augusta, even last week in, in Valderrama with the Concession Cup, on the American side of things, they're, they're obviously well very well connected uh, in terms of different golf courses, and uh, they were offering advice and help in terms of getting you in contact with this guy, who knows this guy, and they, they know the course very well. So I'm hopefully pretty confident in the next couple of months or the next sort of two, three months that you can get in contact with someone who can sort of help you out around the golf courses, you know, where to play, how to prepare, all that sort of yeah. stuff. So, But I do have, I have a couple of guys I know Pretty well. Um, that's hopefully will be able to help me out uh, in preparing for the in preparing for the weeks. Uh, and then obviously with Neil Mann, Chip, the, the golf yeah, Ireland that's head, head of golf Ireland, uh, the the elite sort of golf side of it. Uh, he's obviously Shane Lowry's coach. They've been there seven, eight times over the, over the years. So he'll obviously be quite hands on with Shane for the week. But yeah, I'm sure he'll he probably aren't. have a bit of time for yeah. me as well. You know, he'll give me his knowledge and experience and how to play it. And I'm sure and will have some sort of input in that as well. So it'll be nice to get the, the advice off the, the experienced guys who've been there and done that. Uh, and again, just listen to whatever they've got to say. Obviously not with just that specific week, but to learn off those guys in general uh, is pretty
1: invaluable uh, access. Uh, so hypothetically, c- a cool world, you yeah. make the cut in Augusta, um, I think top top sixteen get invited back, don't they? Is that what it is? I don't I think, yeah, I think I don't it's top sixteen it's okay. get invited back. Is it top 11, so top, top 11, eleven? Top eleven get hard. invited back. Um, you then go and you have a really good. So say you just make the cut in Augusta, and you get your four days. And but you get to LACC course really suits you, really good finish. How close would the head be then to saying mm, I? this, well, the amateur game is really good, so I've got my two majors out of it. Um, Where, if, where will turning pro your, because you're a different profile, different age profile to a lot of guys. Uh, Life experience is there, have a career to fall back on. Some might say you're actually way more prepared to turn pro now. Uh, If uh, that, even, even take those majors out. You're way more prepared now in that it's, not that it's not the be all and end all, but there's a fairly significant safety net underneath you um, for you to, even if it was a challenge for card, for yeah. example, that it's three months of an off season, you can actually go and work for three months and yeah, it <laughs> make yourself very financially secure to get through that time without it sacrificing or eating hugely into your dedication to golf. Yeah. As a career, Um, so yeah. So put you in that position next July. How far do you think you would be? Your head is away from turning down that road.
2: Yeah, I mean, as as I said, sort of with at the start there about sort of university and different routes to do it. It's not to be all little to be professional golfer or not. I can, I'm sure I'll enjoy myself either way. No matter matter if I do or don't. If you have that uh, hypothetical situation where you have a really good week in both LA and, and Augusta, um. If you have this, it gives you more. I think it's purely confidence. Yes, not not in terms of sort of what you might get out of it. That's kind of what I went. It was like that reassures you. Yeah, (coughs) if you can make the cut in either of those, you've just made the cut against the best field of any golfers in the world, and given it's only one week. But, you know, you're going to take huge confidence out of it if you, if you can achieve that. So that's pretty much the goal, I would say, for both weeks, is to try to make the cut. You know, it's, realistically, you're not going to go out, I'm going to win this thing. Yeah. You're going to go out and just play as good as you can, try to make the cut. Uh, but that, I'm sure that would give you sort of huge confidence uh, going forward. Uh, my goal next year, mainly, is, is Walker Cup at the end of the year okay. uh, in September. So, uh, <laughs> barring probably a miracle. I won't be pro before Water Cup next year, uh, and then the idea is to play a Water Cup at St Andrews would be you know a pretty special week, and whether or not the opportunity arises or you have you know sponsors or some sort of help towards professional game after that, if it's an option, it's an option. If not, then I'll, I'll probably steadily
1: go back into working a wee bit more uh, and still playing a better competitive good bit amateur golf. So you'd have to settle, just settle for the Walker Cup in Saint Andrews, like. So if if sure that, not, if if that's the worst. case scenario, then uh, I'll I'll be pretty happy with it going forward. Yeah. So listen, thank you so much for the time. Two things we wish should best look at: best look at the 2023 season, best to look with the demands for tickets from all of your friends, family, etc. <laughs> for Augusta, because. While the golf might be hard, I'm fairly sure dealing with that part of it will be (laughs) significantly tougher. But no, we're delighted to, one, see your game today. See, I suppose, we were, I've always been trying to explain to Johnny, like the difference between really, really good players and normal, (laughs) normal good players. And I think you've kind of given us an insight to it today, but also the, I suppose, the level-headedness that you show, I think, towards the bigger events that you've got coming probably stands you in really good stead and the absolute best of luck when you do get over there and um, we're going to be watching pretty closely but Matt, thank you so much
2: yeah no thanks for thanks very much for having me Please. it was a good day